Hi there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and today I get to be here with Charlene Quint, who is a family law attorney in the Chicago area, who focuses her practice on helping women overcome domestic abuse. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about her book, Overcoming the Narcissist, Sociopath, Psychopath, and Other Domestic Abusers, the Comprehensive Handbook to Recognize, Remove, and Recover from Abuse. And this is quite the book. This is book really doesn't do it justice, Charlene. This is this is a guide. This is a resource, and it's incredible. So thank you so much for taking time to talk with us about this really important subject. Well, thanks for having me here. I appreciate that. And it's a, it's an honor to be here. Well, I just love in so many of our episodes, we have had disclaimers. When we talk about difficult marriages or how to pray through hard times and hard relationships, we often will have these disclaimers like, you know, make sure that you're that you're not thinking we're talking about abuse because there are times when you talk about, oh yeah, praying through the hard relationship and get through it, rely on God, but there, there are times for action. And I love that this book isn't just talking about the action, but the spiritual component and prayer and, and the relationship with God are inextricable, you know, inextricably linked. I don't know how you would say that, but basically woven right. throughout the whole book. And I, I love this. So I'm so excited well, to talk about this. Well, thank you. And, and one of the reasons for writing it is because so many of those podcasts and books and the things that we talk about in marriage, they don't address the abuse of marriage. And, and so this one does address the abuse of marriage. And, and honestly, that's why so many Christian women stay in these abusive marriages for so long. They're listening to advice about, you know, the normal things in marriages. And, and that advice is not applicable when you've got an abuser on the other side. So absolutely. And it's important to, to know that difference. So indeed. Well, before we get into talking about the book, though, we do like to ask all of our guests, what is your favorite prayer closet? Where do you like to go to feel close to God? Mm. Well, I my home, I think, is a sacred place for me. Um, when I finally was able to buy a home, I was in, uh, in hiding for two and a half years after I left my abuser and nobody knew where I lived. Uh, and when I was able to come out of that and buy, buy a home, I was just so grateful. And I just fell on my, I mean, just fell prostrate on the ground and said, Lord, I'm just fill this home with your spirit, fill it with good people. And so here, you know, in my home or in the backyard um, is, is, a, is a place where I, where I feel close to him. I think the, the spirit fills this house. I love that. Well, this book is just so comprehensive, so detailed and well thought out. How long did it take you to write this book? It took about five, five years um, before I pushed the send button and sent it to the publisher. So um, yeah, it was a, uh, it's 576 pages on eight by 10 paper. So it was a long, a long project, but I wanted it to be comprehensive so that mm-hmm. women got as much benefit as they could out of it. And it was really everything that a woman needs to know um, who's in this relationship, how to identify the abuse, how to get out safely and how to heal and move on and be the woman that God designed her to be. So mm-hmm. that's why, you know, one reason why it's, it's so extensive. Well, you just, just a minute ago touched on the fact that you were in hiding yourself. So um, what, my question was, what inspired you to write this book? And I have a feeling it was very personal. Yes, it it, it was personal. Um, this is, um, as most women go through a journey on, on this. And so this was 
um, this incorporates not only, you know, the things that I've learned, the things that God revealed to me, but also many other women's uh, stories um, that has, uh, uh, I've been blessed to represent women um, who have gotten out of abuse and, and counseled women. And so there's true stories in here about women getting out of abuse, but, but it inspired me because I knew if I was going through something other people needed to, to, you know, learn from, from my experiences as well. So um, it incorporates research and studies and surveys as well as, um, you know, common experiences, my professional as well as personal experiences. So it's a, it's a combination and it's, you know, really designed to, to help women get out as, you know, as much as they can and information that they need in this critical time in life. Mm-hmm. Well, the term domestic abuse covers such a broad spectrum of behaviors. And I think some of the confusion, like I know that there are places where there are fine lines, you know, especially, you know, physical abuse is probably something that the line isn't as fine. If you're harmed, if you feel unsafe, that's that's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to other kinds of abuse, um, I feel like the line could be fuzzy and you might not know whether you're in an abusive situation or just involved with someone that's tough to get along with. And, and, you know, or if, if you are, uh, an incredibly sensitive individual or, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that. So how do you define abuse? Well, generally, um, abuse is, desi- is defined as a comprehensive set of behaviors and attitudes that's designed to gain and maintain power and control over somebody else. So that's that's pretty broad. And, you know, it, for abusers, it's only limited by their imagination. So the, the easiest form of abuse is emotional abuse. And we find that literally in a hundred percent of abusive situations because it's so easy to, um, to inflict, but also easy to deny. Look, I didn't mean that. I was just joking. Or you're too sensitive or, um, you know, you're starting the fight, not me, you know? So, so, so these things, when you say something hurtful and then say it never happened, or you're just hearing things, I never said that when, of course he, (laughs) <laughs> you did say that um, you feel like you need to go around with a recording device. See here, you, you, you just said that and now you're backtracking. So um, you're right. Emotional abuse is very hard to, um, to put your fingers on if you're not trained in, you know, what the different tactics are. So that, that, um, that happens all the time. And on the other hand, you know, you get to physical abuse, but even that's not easily, um, identified, for example, one type of physical abuse, well, you know, the smart abusers, they don't leave bruises, they, they're not going to, you know, haul off and hit you and, you know, leave a bruise or, you know, shoot you with a weapon, the smart ones are going to do something where they just leave you in harm's way and let some something else do the damage, for example, um, you know, one of the more common ways to do it is dropping uh, a woman off out of the car, and just leaving her in a very unsafe environment and just leaving. Well, okay, the that's not going to leave a bruise, but if you leave someone in the middle of a horrible gang infested area, like my ex-husband left me in the middle of Chicago at, you know, midnight, um, th- that's going to cause her, it's putting her in harm's way, but they can, you know, deny that they did anything. So, um, mm-hmm. cause they didn't personally <laughs> cause it, cause a problem. So, um, it's just a, a very broad spectrum between, um, 
emotional abuse, financial abuse, which happens in 99% of situations that, you know, power and control, uh, boy, it's easy to have power and control when you handle all the money and nobody else has access. Uh, So that's another very common form of abuse. Um, Spiritual abuse, when you use the the, um, you know, the scriptures against someone instead of um, using them to support, to using them to, you know, keep and stay in the abusive relationship. So there's just a lot of different forms, but that's, you know, power and control is the primary uh, motive of the abuser. And it really seems like in your book, you over and over again, emphasize there is a very intentional quality, like almost a calculated way that abusers go about this? I mean, are there any accidental abusers? Are there any abusers that just, uh, or, or do you think that most of the abusive situations are calculated and, and well thought out or could they start off kind of in an abusive thing and then it becomes calculated to, to get to the ends? I'm Sure. I mean, obviously, some some situations are we don't we don't in, intend to to hurt somebody, and you do it um, something by mistake, and someone mis- misunderstands you. And when you find that out, a, a, a healthy person will say, "I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. This is what I meant, and I didn't mean to to harm you." So healthy people, um, the Holy Spirit convicts them, uh, and they don't and they don't continue on with this intentional abuse. We know from first John three, who's, who are the children of God and who are the children of Satan? And it's pretty, John is real clear. He says that children of children of God can't continue sinning. I mean, we're sinners, but we don't continue to do it as a lifestyle um, because, because the spirit is in them that, you know, and we, the Holy spirit convicts us and we, and we just say, we, we can't continue to do that. But, you know, on the other hand, it also says when here's the children of Satan, they continue um, to they continue to sin. They don't love their brother and sister. Um, so there's the there's the difference. You know, there's yeah, you you can we all do things accidentally and hurt someone, but we certainly don't do it intentionally. Um, and and when um, when we do find out that we've hurt someone, then you know we the Holy Spirit convicts us, and we we go and try to. Um, reconcile that relationship and we don't do it again. That's the thing. You know, we don't continue um, sinning. Um, And I know that's, that's something that, that abusers always, always use uh, against women. Well, nobody's perfect. Everybody sins. I'm like, well, yeah, everybody sins, but not everybody makes a lifestyle of sinning and continuing to intentionally hurt someone. So we, we need to be mindful of, you know, the scriptures that, um, that abusers, you know, hurl against to, to justify um, their their abuse, and you know, well, no one's perfect, or all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and no sin is worse than the other. Well, yeah, of course, there's sins sins that are worse than the other. You know, uh, Jesus tells us that, and the, the Bible tells us that too. So, um, we need to be careful not get get trapped in those those little lies. Yeah. Well, um, are there any if if women are wondering, am I in an abusive situation? Do you have any like base questions or litmus tests or, or something that they could just kind of say, okay, if I answer yes to these questions, then I'm in an abusive relationship, or is it just way more complicated than that? Well, you know, the book goes through a whole series of, um, tactics that abusers use, whether it's emotional tactics or, um, or, financial tactics or, uh, um, 
you know, physical tactics of abuse. So there's a lot of, a lot of things that, that people can look at um, to see, you know, if they're in a, in an abusive situation. Um, if you continually feel like you, like you are, uh, this is being, you're being harmed by someone that's intentional. Um, that's, that's one indication. Um, the other thing is that abusers do not like the word. No, they want their way. They want to, you know, they want you to, you know, it's my way, the highway. And so they, they want to continue um, doing what they want to do. So if you say no to an abuser, you're going to get a lot of feedback. A healthy person um, is going to accept someone else's no, but abusers really don't like that word. So um, there's, you know, there's a, a number of uh, things to, to look for, but those are, those are you know, two of two of the things. Um, another one is, you know, this whole Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde personality, you know, they can be very charming to who they want to be to charming to, um, um, but not so much to people that they don't view as um, important or, you know, who they uh, feel superior to. Um, so we, we can see that they, they know how to, they know how to act properly, but they, but they don't, they, you know, they switch back and forth. So but again, there's a lot of a lot of different things to look for. Yeah, and I did love that about your book that you have lots of examples of people that you've interacted with and, and specific stories that someone who has those questions could either identify with or say, oh yeah, that's not that's not like what I'm dealing with it, but mm-hmm. but can really like you know recognize themselves in the stories of abuse. And there are so many different ones that it really does. This book is a great resource for that for someone who's questioning whether or not they're in an abusive situation. Yeah, thank you. I, I wanted to, you know, we can all read what the DSM five manual says and read the characteristics of, uh, you know, of someone who's abusive, um, you know, lack of empathy or, or you know, lack of remorse, no conscious. And, and but when we add stories of people that put those to life, mm-hmm. I think that's where people can understand, oh, that's what this looks like in, in real life, the lack of empathy or grandiose ideas about themselves, things like that. So that's why I wanted to put those stories in. So women can relate because so many times in our um, Bible studies or support groups, one woman will share a story and others will say, that's, that's exactly what happened to me. Those are the same exact words that my abuser used. And I kind of joke that, well, yeah, they all went to abuser university and <laughs> to, to get the same story on how to do it because it's truly, um, you know, the same, the same words, the same tactics. Um, and I, I, I mean, we, we kind of shake our heads like, how is that possible? But when you think about it, of course, that's, that's how it happens because on the other side, when the Holy Spirit is full of, of people, you're going to get the same story from because the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you're going to get that confirmed by somebody else because the Holy Spirit has spoken to them and the Holy Spirit has spoken to another person. So the Holy Spirit on the good guy side is speaking the same words to each one of us. But let's look at the other side. Satan is speaking the same words to all of the abusers. Well, then you do this and then you do this. And if you do this, she's going to do this. So, so when you look at it from, you know, this, uh, the spiritual perspective, yeah, the same evil spirit from Satan is telling them what to do. Just like the same Holy spirit is telling all of us what to do. Yeah. That what a, what a profound uh, 
recognition be, of that because as soon as you were talking about how you hear these, you know, same patterns, I just think, well, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Satan is not creative. He no, is no. a deceiver, a liar, a twister of truth, but he's not real creative. And, and you can start in your own life seeing patterns of, of how Satan operates. And it would make perfect sense that in the sense of abuse that you would just start to see patterns in how he operates. And that is, wow, what a, what a powerful yeah. realization. Right. And so many women say, well, I, you know, it's so unpredictable. I don't, I, I don't know what's going on. And my response is, Oh no, when you know what's going on, they're very predictable. You can predict they will lie because Satan's a deceiver. You can predict that when given the opportunity to to do good or to, to, you know, they will choose the opposite. When given the opportunity to benefit themselves and throw somebody else off under the bus, they will absolutely choose that. So they are very predictable. We just, we're so not used to thinking that way that we think, well, what's going on? Well, they're always going to choose the harmful thing. They're always going to choose what Satan would do. So um, manipulate, deceive. Um, you know, we have, it's, um, it might come as a surprise, but we have Satan's mission statement in the Bible. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. So when you see that pattern, you know that's from him. Jesus came to give us an abundant life. So when you see abundance and goodness, you know that's from him. But let's let's be really mindful about whose side you know, things are on and, and, and whose, whose side people are on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in the book, you mentioned that a Christian woman is significantly less likely to leave an abuser than a non-Christian woman. Can you talk mm-hmm. about that and why that is? Well, they stay significantly longer um, that the research has told us that. And there's a couple reasons for that, of course. Um, one is that they've been reading all these these uh, Christian books on marriage, and so you know they have twenty of them on their shelves. And it's like, well, if you if you just um, if we if I'm just a little bit more submissive, if I if I you know make them a better dinner, if I lose some weight, if I do this, if I'm just more kind, if, if I, he's got to be more kind, if I'm more kind. So they're using the normal things that would work on normal people. So um, they you know they um, continue to to. Uh, thing. And I've talked to women who have been, you know, in these relationships for decades and, and they've gotten the whole, you know, all of these books and um, they're not seeing uh, any difference. Um, they keep praying that this wonderful person that who was um, in this dating stage will come back. Um, but, you know, that person has, first of all, um, we call that first dating stage, the love bombing phase, you know, his, an abuser's um, goal during the whole dating and love bombing phase is to make sure that the other person, his victim, his target, um, becomes emotionally and financially attached to him. So he pretends to be someone that he's not. Um, mm. You know, we fall in love with someone who's not, doesn't even exist. They pretend to be Prince Charming. And so we keep wondering, well, why, if I'm just nicer, if I do this, maybe he'll come back. And he's not coming back. That was never in existence. The real person is what you got, you know, the week after the wedding where he started exploding at you. And um, that, that person has, has rejected God. And so far too often we stay in these, these, um, these abusive relationships, praying that God's going to move their heart, but they've already rejected God. God doesn't typically zap someone into being good. Like we want him to. Uh, in fact, um, God doesn't work that way, but he does equip his people to get out of 
difficult situations. And I mean, we see that in the Bible. When you look through the Bible, the only people he really zapped that were evil and that had somehow turned good. um, Well, we look at Paul and we always hope that, well, maybe, maybe he'll, my husband will be a Paul, the one in the million. Right. And, and, um, but what did God do to Paul? He blinded him. He put him in a timeout for a few years. He had some serious consequences until he had a complete change of heart. Um, the only other two people that I found in the Bible that were very evil that got zapped is, again, by consequences. King Nebuchadnezzar, um, God took away his kingdom and he turned him insane and made him eat grass uh, for seven years until he finally humbled himself and said, OK, God, you are God, not I'm not. And, and King Manasseh and King Manasseh was one of the most evil kings in Israel, and he got dragged away um, in chains and shackles with a nose ring <laughs> uh, to to enemy territory until he finally uh, repented. So if abusers are going to change, it's only because there's some serious consequences. And even then, it's, it's not a guarantee. I mean, other people have serious consequences, too, and they just stayed the, the same. So um, I, I think that's another reason why. And then we, we have this misconception that um, you know, God doesn't like, you know, God hates divorce and uh, divorce is a sin. So we've got to stay in this horrible abusive marriage until death do us part. And, you know, it could be our death. If not our physical death, it's going to be a long, you know, horrible, uh, you know, long, slow death of emotional and spiritual death. And um, that is not the case at all. When we look through the Bible, God actually says, run from evil. Um, he describes in Second Timothy 3, he describes evil people and says, have nothing to do with them. He says the same in First Corinthians um, five, just, you know, someone who's engaged in serious unrepentant sin, like, you know, don't even have lunch with this person. Um, in Titus, he says, don't, you know, warn a divisive person once, warn him twice, and then have nothing to do with them. So throughout the Bible, we see um, this, you know, command from God, you need to run from evil and protect ourselves. We're his daughters, and he does not want us to be in these horrible relationships. They're supposed to be Um, life-giving relationships. And so Christian women stay far longer than um, those without any, you know, without the faith. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's, there's a need for permission. Like you can love God. You can be a faithful Bible believing Bible following woman Mm -hmm. and you can still leave an abusive situation and you're not sinning. Mm -hmm. And so what would you say to a woman that is, that feels like she's, called, I think one thing that maybe a woman would struggle with is, well, but I'm called to pray for him. You know, if I don't pray for him, then who's, you know, how is he going to be saved? Because I'm guessing that, you know, uh, women that are in abusive marriages love their abusers because they're, you know, they they wouldn't have gotten married if they didn't love them. So what would you say to that woman to give her that permission, you know, or feels guilt leaving because she's afraid she's not being a strong enough Christian? Right, right. Well, there's there's a few things. First of all, um, God, in fact, has in the Bible told his people to divorce when they have married evil people. And we see that in the book of Ezra. There was over 100 men who had married pagan women who were, as we know, the pagan rituals back then was child sacrifice and um, temple prostitution and, you know, wild orgies. And God said, no, that's not what my people do, and you need to leave those people. So God actually commanded divorce 
um, for, for those people. So um, I, that's, you know, just as by way of example, um, and he divorced Israel. We see that in Jeremiah and Isaiah when, when Israel turned um, its back on God, um, that, um, that, uh, that God divorced Israel. There's a, and we don't have time to talk about the whole um, theological um, <laughs> underpinnings of, of, uh, of a divorce, but um, I would say that God is against anything that is evil that hurts those he who he loves, and I like to to um, liken you know is the good analogy is cancer. If we had um, if our daughter, for example, had cancer, we would say we wouldn't coddle the cancer. We wouldn't we wouldn't plead with the cancer. We wouldn't put aspirin on the cancer. We would take that cancer out because that cancer is going to grow and it's going to you know, it's going to metastasize and it's going to eventually kill our daughter. Abuse and evil is no different than that. We need to take that which is hurting uh, us and our family and we need to cut it out. Um, and that's actually God's response to uh, evil. We look in first Rome, uh, Romans 1, he says he lets well, people who have rejected him, he lets them continue to reject him and they fall into this, you know, this this terrible, um, you know, they're being deceived and self-deceived and they, they have this, you know, a, a very downhill slide, but he lets them choose to reject him without pleading um, for them. And Jesus has the same response when, you know, to the Pharisees, he, you know, he doesn't coddle them and plead with them. He says, you know, you're a brood of vipers, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're not, you're not entering the kingdom of God. He called them what they were instead of pleading. And, and so people who have rejected God, that's, that's a whole different. And, and I would put abusers in that camp. They know how to be good because they, they can be good when they, they want something. Yeah, they can be, mm -hmm. when they want something that they know how to act nicely to get what they want. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but they have rejected God and um, when, and particularly by rejecting, you know, their, uh, the, the treasure that God gives them, uh, his, his daughter, that is their wife. So um, I, I would say, you know, you have permission to, to, um, to, to leave that situation. Um, again, the, the, the book goes into a lot more detail about biblical um, divorce when abuse is involved. Um, he just, he doesn't want us to be um, in these abusive situations. He wants us to have abundant, joyful um, marriages. And that's you know, one of the purpose for marriage and what we, we see in a lot of purposes for marriage, but one of those purposes for marriages is, is to show the world what God's love for us looks like. We see that in Ephesians uh, five, you know, he, he tells the husband, you need to love her like Christ loved the church. Wow. That's a whole lot of love. You know, that's, that's not just tolerating her. That's a sacrificial love. And, and when we don't see that um, there's, there's really of all the purposes that God has for marriage where they're showing the world, what God's love for us looks like, whether it's being a, an emotional uh, supportive companion, um, whether it's raising children in the love of knowledge of the God of God, whether it's uh, the husband protecting the wife, as we see in, in Malachi, none of the purpose of, of that God has designed for marriage can be fulfilled in an abusive marriage. I mean, that's not even a marriage. That's just two people tolerating each other. 
Um, and um, that's, that's not a healthy relationship. Yeah. Well, I really, um, I appreciate that throughout this book, it's uh, like, you know, like I said before, faith isn't just kind of mentioned (laughs) or it's not just like, yeah, and you do these things within the context of Christianity, the importance of your faith in God, in the process of identifying and leaving and healing from an abusive situation is just right in your face. And one of my favorite things that you did was in chapter 32, where you had, um, you, you fleshed out the armor of God for abuse victims. And I was wondering if you could maybe just touch on what each of those uh, each of those elements of the armor are and their importance and how sure. they can be, how they can be, you know, put on in, in the context of an abuse victim. Right. Great question. Great question. So we know, you know, the first, um, the first uh, thing in the armor of God is the belt of truth. And for an abuse victim, this is probably the key to healing and the key to, um, the key to being able to, to leave because it, it's not our truth. It's God's truth. That's, that's this, that's the belt of truth because the key to healing really is to identifying the lies of Satan that we have believed and to re- reject them and replace them with God's truth. So, you know, we all believe those who have been stuck in these crazy um, uh, relationships believe, you know, dozens, if not hundreds or more of, of lies, you know, one of which is, um, well, if, if he, you know, if I don't marry him, no one's going to love me. I'm so unlovable. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a, there's a flat out lie from Satan. All right. So, so what do we do? We have to identify that lie, reject that lie. No, I am not unlovable. God made me in his image. I'm his daughter. He made wondrously and, and wonderfully made me. And I've got these amazing qualities and I'm not going to, I'm not going to settle. Well, that's the other, that's another life speaking of, Mm -hmm. I've got to settle for this because no one's perfect. And, you know, I can't really expect to find a godly man that's going to love me because I'm not really that great myself. Okay. There's a lie. Um, True. No one's perfect, but we can expect excellence in ourselves and in the people that we marry. So many Christian women I know have settled for, for less because they think they have to. And God, that's not, that's not from God. You know, that's, that's another lie. So whether it's that lie or, or why we stay in a marriage or how, how we can't, you know, the lies that we have because we can't heal uh, or the lies about God, you know, God sent this abuse because t- to teach me a lesson or to teach me patience oh, or, wow. or to, um, uh, or because I did something wrong, I, you know, so um, that's, well, there's another lie right there. God's a, God's a loving father. You know, let's, let's, let's ascribe to um, give the credit where credit's due. Abuse is from Satan. Goodness is from God. God doesn't send abuse. Um, That's, that's something that Satan is, is all up in that. So um, the belt of truth, God's truth, not our truth. So, so the, really the key to healing is identifying all those crazy lies that we've believed, rejecting that and, and, and replacing it with God's truth, because then we have the mind of God, right? The perspective Mm -hmm. of God. So that's the key to, to, to getting out, finding, you know, it being in healthy relationships and, and healing. Um, the next one is the breastplate of righteousness. Well, again, it's not our righteousness. <laughs> it's God's righteousness because that's that great exchange that he gives when we become followers of Christ. It's, it's not, 
it's not us. It's, it's God's righteousness. So, so while the Satan's the big accuser, like, oh, you know, you're not good enough. What do you, who do you think you are? You know, those, those words that we say, like, well, you know what? You're right. I'm not good enough, but God is, he is my, he is the one that, that gives me the righteousness. He's, he's the one who's, so we, we, we say, this is Jesus's righteousness. Um, so that takes that, um, that uh, argument by Satan right, right, right off the table, because it's God's righteousness that says, um, yes, you, you are righteous because you're one of my children. Um, and then we look at the, um, uh, the, uh, the footwear uh, of, of the, of the shoes that bring the gospel of peace. And that's kind of a, a big, you know, there's a lot of things going on there. First of all, um, I, I, I love it that it's the footwear because sometimes we are called to just go, right? We, there's sometimes that we're called to stay, but sometimes, well, a lot of times God calls us to action. You know, when he called Abraham, he called him to action. He says, go where I tell you to go and I'm going to be with you. He didn't give him a roadmap. He just said, I'm going to be with you. And I think that's one of the things that's important for us to know is like, when God calls us to go, we've got to go. Um, and we need to know that he's going to be with us. Um, and bringing the gospel of peace, we should be at peace with everyone that we can, as much as it's, as Paul said, as much as it's up to you, be at peace. But there are some people that you cannot be at peace with. So abusers are ones because they stir up conflict and they stir up divisiveness. So, you know, we need to use our feet and go um, to be at a place of peace. I know in a lot of times women will say, well, if I just explain it to him one more time, he'll get why it's been so, you know, he'll, he'll finally get it. And, and that's not really going to bring you peace because explaining to him one more time why his actions are hurting his family is not, is not going to do it. So really after, after you leave, you really have to have no contact with these crazy people. And God, actually, that's a biblical thing too. We know God says no contact um, in Second Timothy three and and First Corinthians five, um, no contact. So you get your peace by having no no contact with these crazy people. Um, the shield of faith to stop the 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 arrows of the fiery arrows of of Satan. Back in the day when they're talking about the fire arrows, there, there was normal arrows that would just come and, you know, hurt people. But then there was arrows with the tips were dipped in, in tar and then were set on fire. And then they would come in and, you know, demolish an entire town because they would, you know, get on a roof and then everything would go up. Satan's arrows can demolish our entire life just like that. But that shield of faith, God's faith, um, because we know he is well able, um, that's the faith that that protects us from those from those fire airs when when our faith says the only opinion that counts is god's that's a good place to be because all too often people are looking at other well what is so and so going to think about me what is so what, what is the past going to think what are my friends going to think about me it really doesn't matter what they think it really only matters what god thinks um and then of course the helmet of salvation wow we need to protect our minds because um Satan uses our minds. See, this whole thing is a mind game with, with him. And he puts in those doubts and fears. You're not, you can't get out. You're not good enough. You will never do it. And, you know, we're just ridden with anxiety and um, that helmet of salvation protects our minds. It's like, Oh, I'm, 
I'm a daughter of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What are you talking about, Satan? I, we, he's got this and he's got me. So that's, um, we have to have that. And of course, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of the Lord. So when Satan comes at us, we can use those powerful prayers that God has told us to um, to to pray. And, you know, it decimates Satan. And and I um, I just used this last night with, with our Bible study group. I said, you, you know, we have the under Jesus, we have the authority um, to to send Satan and his little demons of doubt and anxiety and um, all of those negative emotions. We, we can send them running, but we have to use those prayers and know our Bible. Um, so that's why I'm, you know, have uh, the sword of the spirit and the word of God. It's so important for women to know what the Bible really says, um, uh, not just what the abuser is used because the abuser will take it out of context and use, and use, well, you know, the Bible says this, and if you don't really know, you can just get all, all mixed up. And, um, uh, so we need to, we need to know that. And, and when we pray those prayers and, you know, near the end of it, Paul was saying, and pray that I may speak boldly. We don't pray the prayer. Well, geez, God, will you just take this away? That's not how he works. He works by giving us the boldness and the strength to go through those fights because Satan's working on the other side, but God's, I mean, we have him on our side. So he's so much more powerful than the other side. So we, we pray for boldness and strength that we may um, boldly proclaim God's word and boldly proclaim what's right and, and, you know, get out of those unhealthy relationships. That's really powerful. And especially because you've said several times that in a relationship, particularly a, you know, quote, Christian relationship where the, the, the abusee is a Christian and, and the abuser probably uses that faith as a weapon. And so knowing the word of God, it would be so important, just like Satan, I think of Jesus when he went and, you know, um, he was tempted in the wilderness and, and <laughs> Satan just kept coming up with, well, well, did it not say, is it not written that, 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 and, you know, and then Jesus would say, oh no, actually it says this. Do, actually, this is what it says to, to, to the test. And, um, that to me is, could be, you know, kind of a picture of what that would be like, whether it's a verbal interaction or whether it's just knowing, Hey, you know, the more I know scripture, the more I realize he is twisting it and he's not telling me the truth and he's not, you know, putting the, the full picture out there, you know, there could be great power in knowing, knowing the word of God. And I do love that you talk about that, that prayer for boldness. Cause you know, Peter and John in front of the Sanhedrin, you know, they were unschooled, ordinary men, and yet they mm-hmm. were speaking with authority and eloquence and power. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just that, that, that would be a very powerful prayer to play, to pray, you know, God, give me boldness, help me to say no, help me to find out where I can go and, and open doors for me to get out of this situation. Cause I'm sure it would take a lot of boldness and strength to move from a place of being a victim to getting out of there. This episode is brought to you by visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 
It is the hardest thing that most women will ever do in their lives. Um, the, the, when, when, um, you know, the Isaiah says, you know, he's come to break the chains and set the prisoner free. That's what it feels like. You, Mm. you feel like you have chains. You can't get out. There's so many different things that are holding you, holding you there. Um, the finances that, you know, sometimes the church is, is laying on the guilt. Sometimes your friends are laying the guilt. He, you know, he doesn't get, make it easy to, to, to leave um, the children. What do you, what are we supposed to do with the children as you know, they have to go to school every day. So where are you supposed to live if you leave or where's he supposed to live? It's just, I mean, everything is, is, is against being free. Um, <clears throat> and I like to, I mean, the, the, the best analogy is, is um, really when the people of Israel broke free from, from Pharaoh in Egypt and Moses came and, you know, Pharaoh is not going to change. He's going to remain evil. And he wanted those Israelites for his own selfish means, right? Which is why abusers, you know, he's not going to change. He wants to keep his wife there for his own selfish means so he doesn't really care about her but he doesn't want her to go either um so uh so that was why it took you know the, the 10 plagues it, it, he finally said go and even after that he just you know kept going on back. After, right so so it's it, that's what you feel like you know you're, you're just trying to get uh, you just want to get free and escape but they you know they're doing everything they can to keep you there and then you know, when you get to the other side, you're somewhere in this desert and you're like, oh my, this is a horrible spot. You know, maybe it wasn't so bad. And so a lot of times women look back and like, no, God has a plan for you. It's a plan of goodness and rest in this, this, you know, the promised land. You have to keep looking forward. You have to keep, you know, your eyes on God and his promises like Jacob uh, or Joshua and Caleb, you know, the only two that said, yeah, God's with us. Oh yeah. There's giants in the land, but God's with us. We got this. Come on, let's go. And everyone else said, Oh no, there's no, we're not going to do it. So, you know, they were stuck there for another 40 years, but you know, there's going to be giants in the new land, you know, women who are free, you know, getting free that there's going to be, um, you know, you, you've got to do your own, figure out your own finances. You've got to figure out how to get your own mortgage payments. You've got to mow your own lawn now. Yeah, all the sorts of things that, that are going to be giants in your land. But, you know, God's, God says, I got this. I'm with you. So what else? I mean, that's all we need. And um, But that's kind of the redemption story of, of women getting out. Pharaoh's not going to change. He's con- continued to, to be you know, the evil person that he is, and he's going to go on with his life and, you know, get a new batch of slaves or he's going to get a new, a new wife or a new woman or somebody is, I mean, that's almost always the case. It's the, there's a new one that's, is if not already, already waiting in the wings, but um, to, to know that God's got a plan for peace and, and a, an abundant life. And we have to keep looking forward to that. So we don't get stuck in the desert for 40 years. What a great analogy, you know, all the way up to the looking back and thinking, man, there's so many things I have to do on my own. This looks insurmountable. Maybe it was better back there, you know, in Egypt that I could see that being hurdle number two, leaving would be the first hardest thing. And maybe the Mm -hmm. second hardest thing would be not going back. Yep. Um, Yep. Exactly. On average, um, women leave seven times 
before they leave for good because of, there's so many things holding them back. Mm-hmm. Finances is number one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hoping that Prince Charming will return is number two. And of course, as soon as she leaves, you know, he's going to be trying to get her back, you know, and, you know, sweet talking her to come back. Right. Um, he reverts to the honeymoon phase or whatever mm-hmm. you call it, the, the dating. Yep. 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 Yeah. So if he thinks there's a chance, he will try to, you know, smooth talk her to get her back. Um, but of course, after he realizes that there's no chance, then he turns very vindictive. And that's, that's another, you know, anticipated thing that we can absolutely predict. But um, yeah, there's all sorts of reasons. She just doesn't want to break up her family. She, she's, you know, maybe thinks God's going to be mad at her. Um, uh, a lot of reasons that she, um, that she goes back. Um, but in the end, usually, the, the number one reason most women leave is because he's now done something to the children and they're now being affected. They were being affected before that she right. just maybe thought uh, it, that they weren't, but now she sees overtly that he's doing something either to them or in front of them that they should not see. And she needs to, she needs to get free. Yeah. That's usually what's the, the tipping point is. Well, I think one other really hard thing is if your pastor and or church are not behind you as a victim, if you go to the pastor and either he or she, you know, believes the abuser, because it sounds like abusers can put on a great show for everybody else. And so maybe they don't, (laughs) maybe they think there's no way this, this has to be made up. She's crazy. Or she's, you know, she's making, she's making too much of this when the abuser can smooth talk his way out of it. Um, so, you know, what, I I think that could pose an even more difficult barrier to make the woman question whether she's doing the right thing by leaving. What would you say is good advice for someone whose church is not supportive of her leaving? Well, I was in that situation. Um, Mm -hmm. my, my church, when I, I I was a, a leader in my, in my church, I, you know, was on, um, the board of deacons. I was actually on the board of regents of a, an international Christian university and seminary. And uh, so I went to my pastor as soon as I, uh, as I had left, I left with only an overnight bag um, and really went into hiding for a couple of years. And um, they did, uh, you know, well, there's an entire chapter in the book about what not to do, the mistakes that churches make. And, and um, you know, they, they were, they were very uh, instrumental in providing that chapter. Um, but w- w- women really have to know that churches are, are not always spokespersons for God. Pastors make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And in fact, um, unfortunately, churches are often the worst places to go for support for a victim of, of abuse because the pastors um, and church people will, will constantly try to put an abuser back with a victim um, thinking that, you know, in, in no circumstance is, is a divorce uh, the best thing. And um, so that's really not a safe place for her. Um, And after, uh, after several years of trying to convince my pastor, I mean, with photographs, with, um, you know, with documents, you know, with an order of protection, it was like, we don't want to see that. We don't, we don't really care, you know? (laughs) So, and then they, they remarried him in this church. And I thought, all right, you've, you've rejected God too. So women, and then my story is not 
different from many others. In fact, I would say the majority of the time, churches are not supportive of, of the victims. And so you really have to know between you and God, again, the only opinion that counts is God's. It's not your pastors. It's not your church friends. It's not your, your you know, it, it's God's opinion. And when you know um, where you are with God, that's a, a good place of healing because you are not swayed by other human opinions. You, you're on you know, God is your, um, is your compass, not, not other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is very, very good and important advice. Um, and if, then find a good church, you know, right. Find someone that will listen or yeah. So, so it, which is, you know, what I had to do, but I found, you know, God guided me to a wonderful church who was so supportive of, of my ministry. And in fact, as said, I, I have Bible studies and support groups that meet at the church and they've hosted um, conferences for pastors to, to learn about this. Um, you know, you have to find those people uh, is churches are, are like, um, you know, they're, they're like people with some are healthy and some are unhealthy. And when, if you're in an unhealthy church that doesn't support you, then, then it's, and you have to, you know, run into your abuser every Sunday, it's time to leave. Yeah. So, well, how can we, as the church, we, as the body of Christ, how can we pray for and support abuse victims more effectively? Well, that's a great question. Um, first of all, I would say, learn, learn about domestic abuse. Pastors, and um, and church leaders um, and the body of Christ in general needs to learn. Um, this is not, you know, it is truly a um, a battle between good and evil. Um, evil has infiltrated uh, uh, this woman's life by you know it, it, right in her own home. So that makes it mm -hmm. particularly hard to 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 get out. But we need to learn um, what domestic abuse looks like, what domestic abusers do. And we need to recognize um, good versus evil. That's a, I mean, we need to be discerning about this. And I think what churches, unfortunately, they just want to kind of whitewash everything. Oh, well, it's not that bad. And, you know, with some counseling, it'll get better. And we'll just pray and we'll do some marital counseling, all of which is not helpful. Um, in fact, it's you know, um, dangerous for, um, for the victims of abuse. Marriage counseling is not called for. Um, in fact, it's contraindicated by all the psychological groups because the abusers will use that as uh, just another venue for, for abusing um, uh, the victim. So, um, so we need to educate ourselves uh, about that. And in the book, I have like 13 specific steps that need the churches should do. And then there's another chapter of, you know, 13 common mistakes uh, that the churches need to avoid. Um, so you know, believing her, I mean, there was no, you know, there's very little reason for a woman who's a, a church going woman who's been married for a number of years to make false allegations. So, you know, the first thing to do is un unless you have known for a fact that she's a, a liar and, a, you know, believe, you know, let's believe and support her and, and then, um, you know, do whatever it is that it takes to, to help her through this process. 
um, and hold him accountable. Um, when we let abusers back in the church, uh, that a woman is just telling you what happened and, and we let them back in the church, that, that puts her right at risk. And what does it tell to the outside world? Well, we don't really, we have this whole love thing and we talk about love and we talk about being a good person. But when we have an evil person in our midst, we just let them stay because we're not going to, we don't have the backbone to, to, in, you know, instilled church discipline. And that's the problem. A lot of churches don't have the backbone and the courage to say this is wrong and you're not welcome here anymore. Um, so that, you know, actually taking a stand uh, would be would be a helpful thing to stay, take a stand for the victim, not the abuser. Don't get, um, you know, don't get played by the abuser because the abuser is going to play. They know how these, they know that the church wants to reconcile and they want to believe them. And, you know, we are always bending over backwards for the abusers as opposed to supporting the victims. And so the abusers know this. And so they, they lie with there's you know, I say in the, in the book, there's, there's a few things you can absolutely know that abusers will do. One is they'll be very vindictive and they'll lie and start a smear and slander campaign against their, Mm -hmm. against their leaving uh, spouse. And, you know, to turn her children against her, to turn her, her church family against her, her community against her. So we, we know they're going to do these things. They're going to lie and, and hide assets and, and um, lie financially. They're going to use the church as a hiding place to make them look good, to get the next, <laughs> the, the next victim. Um, they're going to string out the legal process. They're going to play the, they're going to play the victim. Poor me. My wife left me. Oh, it's terrible. I didn't do anything. I'm, you know, I've been abandoned. And um, so they, they just play it. So we know they're going to do these things. So the church needs to educate itself and then just take a stand for right um, instead of being wishy-washy. And if you don't take a stand all too often, just to say, well, I just don't want to get involved. I'm not going to go either way. You know, that's like not taking a stand between a fight between a tiger and a bunny. All right. <laughs> the tiger's going to win that every time if you don't help out the bunny, because that's what it is. So saying I'm not going to take a stand is the same as, as standing with evil. Wow. That's, that is powerful. Yeah. No, that's all really important. And as you were going through the, um, you know, the armor of God for abuse victims, I felt like those could be a great springboard in terms of praying for either, you know, in general, if you just have a heart to pray for victims of abuse, or if you know someone who's struggling um, specifically, um, or know of someone, these would be great things to pray for them, you know, to pray that God would give them, you know, reveal, open their eyes to that truth and give them, you know, give them that um, protection of their minds and give them that boldness and, you know, reveal truth in scripture. Like those, those are all just really great prayer prompts. Um, but if you do know someone, like if, if, if someone listening is like, I know someone, someone has confided in me that they are a victim of abuse I know they're in danger. They don't know where to go. Like where would, I guess there are two different questions. Number one, if you know of someone who's in danger, what can we do? There there are limited things we can do because I I don't, I guess you can't make someone leave, right? Um, What can we do? And then number two, for the woman who is in immediate danger and is listening and like, I want to leave. I just, I don't even know where to go. Like where could they go for emergency help? Right. So let's talk to that person first, where if she wants to leave, but she doesn't know where to go. 
almost every county in the United States has a domestic violence um, organization, either it's a shelter or at least one that provides domestic violence counseling and that they're usually free. So I would encourage her to reach out to the closest domestic violence um, organization or or counseling uh, center, because these people know domestic violence, they know abusers, they are a safe place to go. Um, All too often, even with counselors, domestic violence is like a subspecialty of counseling. Mm -hmm. And, and so if you don't find someone who actually knows this, it's, you know, it's, it can do more damage than good. So I would say reach out to those groups first, um, because they will be able to put you in contact with, um, with free counseling and and you'll, you know, we need that because we don't want to go on this journey alone. They may be able to put you in contact with um, places that can provide shelter and, and financial support, um, maybe career counseling, maybe they can help you get some clothes and help you interview and get, you know, if you don't have a job, help you do that. But um, there's so many things that are involved uh, in, you know, leaving, um, I, I call him crazy man, because otherwise I'd be cursing and swearing all day, but leaving crazy man, there's so many different things involved. And, and, and a lot of times they will have these wraparound services. So, um, and just keep, you know, there, and there's more than one. So, so, you know, maybe there's a, you know, a, a faith-based one, maybe there's one funded by some, you know, uh, the, the government, maybe there's another one that's up from another Facebook. So, so I would say, you know, reach out to more than one because each one of them will have more, um, services that they could provide. And they can also, you know, get you in touch with governmental agencies. So, Sometimes for for a, a period of time, you may need to, you know, get a, some um, government um, funds while you're in this distress period. That's there's no shame in that. If you need to get a a, a, a link card or snap card, they used to call them food stamps. If you need to somehow, you know, get help for um, medical insurance or, or or housing, whatever you need to do um, to, to get out and get. Uh, and get a, away from abuse. Um, so I would, I would say that, um, you know, if she needs to confide in some close friends um, that would be supportive, I only say go to safe people because there's a lot of people that are not safe. Um, oftentimes, unfortunately, the church falls in this category. Um, so if you look and say on a church website that says we're a safe church, that means, you know, they know domestic abuse. A lot of, a lot of them don't, but if mm. there's a- oh, um, I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's so, um, so, you know, search for, you know, churches that may have that on their website. Um, so, you know, reach out, don't, don't go through this alone, because it is, there's a reason why on average, people go back seven times, it's so hard to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And then what if you know someone, and you know that they're in danger, or you feel that they're in danger? What are, what are some things that, that would be wise to do or not do? Right. Well, if they're in danger, I, one of the things that I suggest um, to my clients and, and other people I know, if if, it, if the danger qualifies, I mean, we're, we're talking real danger, you can go to the local um, courthouse and get an order of protection. And, um, you know, each state has a different, um, a, a different um, qualification for that, but don't hesitate to seek um to seek help from the court. That's what they're there for um, is, is to, to, um, to give orders of protection for, for people that, that need it. Um, some people are afraid to, uh, 
you know, call the police. Uh, that usually backfires when you don't call the police. Um, it's used against you. Well, you never called the police, did you? Well, no. Um, so they assume, you know, there was nothing wrong. So um, I would, I would say, you know, seek, seek uh, help, encourage your friend and go there with her. If she needs someone to go to the courthouse with her, do that. Um, I use my house as a safe house. So if I know someone um, that, um, uh, you know, a woman of faith that needs to get out and get out right away, I've been there myself. I open my house and I've got a few extra bedrooms and, you know, you can be, you can be that safe place for the person that needs emergency housing. Um, But then I would also encourage her to get her friend in, in counseling and, you know, encourage her to go see um, that domestic abuse counselor. And just so that she can start thinking properly about, uh, about this, because oftentimes they'll think, well, it's my fault. I, you know, or he's just having a bad day or whatever. No, one bad day doesn't mean 20 years of, of, of abuse, you know? So, um, so we, many women are in denial of, how bad it really is. And it's not until they get out when they look back and see what a healthy relationship is compared to what they were in. They think, Oh my goodness, how in the world did I, how in the world did I live with that? Um, But it's, you know, it's like the uh, old, the frog in the boiling pot type of thing. It didn't start like that. Uh, You know, abuse escalates over time unless um, some intervening force comes in and says, no, you're not going to do this anymore. And so what started as maybe just emotional abuse has has escalated over the years to physical abuse or sexual abuse or rape or, you know, know, it it can go on and on. So, so when you look back at, and, um, help that person realize that what she is dealing with is, is not just a bad day or something she needs to put up with because she's a Christian, but is that's actually abusive, you know, give them a copy of the book. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think what a gift that you could give someone and uh, to, to give them these tools and resources to be able to, to sift through, because it's not something you have to read in one sitting. They're very clearly labeled chapters. You can go through and pick the things that you really want to know about. And, and that's right. Yeah, right. The beauty of and it, it has but- a reverse cover on it. So if you're in a compromised situation, the, the reverse cover is, you know, is pink, fluffy stuff, you know, inspiration for women, poetry and poems and proverbs. So, so um, you don't have to have this big overcoming the narcissist sociopath and oh so you know i read the digital version so i didn't even see that oh yeah let me show you since you're on zoom i can show so here's the the normal version right take off the cover and the other side has this beautiful pink cover that says um inspiration for women with flowers and tea and you know prayers, poetry, proverbs, and promises, you know, so it just talks like, like it's a big book for women of stuff. So you just wrap that around your book. And then, you know, nobody's going to, no guy's going to pick that up. It's all pink and for women. And it talks about, you know, whether your moms or wives or daughter or friend, it's it's a woman's book. So, oh my goodness, that is so (laughs) smart. I, cause I was thinking, you know, it would be hard for someone to have this big book carrying it around, but, oh, that's wonderful. What a great idea. Right. Or or the candle or the, you know, the, uh, well, I guess we Mm -hmm. don't have an audio version yet, but, but yeah, that it was specifically done for people who don't want everyone to know they're reading about, you know, psychopaths and (laughs) so on and forth. So, wow, that's great. 
Mm-hmm. Well, we are out of time. I knew this would happen, but um, I'm sorry to keep you over a few minutes. But not um, at all. Not at but, all. Uh, but pleasure. where where can our listeners go to find you online or on social media and find your book? Right. Well, the book is well. Of course, it's available at Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. You can just um, you can type in my name, Charlene Quint or overcoming the narcissist, sociopath, psychopath, and other domestic abusers. That's a big mouthful. So you just put in my name, Charlene Quint, um, it'll, it'll come up. Um, I, I was on social media. My Facebook just got hacked by an IP address somewhere in China. So <laughs> that's now down, but I will be back up again soon. Um, so, uh, so look for me on, um, I'm, I will be back on, on, uh, on Facebook. So you Google me in a, in a little bit. Um, we also have abuse care dot uh, org, which is a, a website for women of faith and um, and the church to get um, uh, you know specifically how do, how can churches learn how to deal with this mm. and how can women of faith heal? So there's some blogs on there. There's some resources uh, on how to uh, if your church wants uh, me to come and you know, provide some workshops for the church leaders on how they can be more sensitive to, um, uh, to that. We have a whole, um, we have a whole program for pastors and church leaders on, on, you know, specific steps that they can take to make their church a safe place for victims of domestic abuse and just resources for, um, for women in, in abuse and healing. So. Wonderful. Those are great resources. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, how can we pray for you today? I'm going to close in prayer. Oh, wow. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know what? I, I would love prayers. Um, my, my day job is, is representing women in, in the court. Um, you know, I, I, in mostly domestic violence or domestic violence courtrooms or, or, um, uh, domestic, you know, the family law courtrooms, which is basically divorce. And it, um, Every day, I feel you know this battle against evil <laughs> on the other side. That the other um, it, it, there's no easy um, there's no easy cases, and so I just would ask a, a, you know a fresh anointing of the Lord's um, strength and power and might, and that um, that the my clients uh, would prevail, that the Lord would be with with them uh, and with me, um, and and that the Lord would. Um, you know, show the judges that this, uh, you know, that they need to rule in, in the favor of the victims as opposed to the abusers. So um, that's a long way of saying, but I, I do, it's a, it's a difficult, um, it's a difficult battle every day. So it, it does, it does get wearing. So I would just, those are, those would be my, my biggest prayers that the Lord would um, go before us and, and give um, victory to, to the to not only my clients, but all the women that are struggling here in, in, in this area. All right. I will do that. Well, Charlene, thank you for being here. I just, it's, this is such an important topic. Thank you for all the years and, and the blood, sweat and tears you put into this book and just for being willing to talk to us about it today. My pleasure. It is a, it's a God journey and I'm just such a, it's privileged to, to be on his team. So thank you for, for um, having me and just, and your courage to talk about this really difficult subject because, you know, the church is not, um, not entirely open to this and they don't, you know, we, we know that. So thank you for, for um, the courage to put this on. Absolutely. Well, let's pray. 
God, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about this topic that is so important and um, under discussed, especially in the church. God, we just we just know that this is an area where Satan really has a foothold and where evil runs rampant. God, we just pray right now that you would uh, just be be present with Charlene. We thank you for her her faithfulness in writing this book and in advocating for those who can't advocate for themselves and for fighting evil on the front lines. God, we just thank you for that high calling. And we know with that high calling comes a, an intense battle. And God, we know that you are the victor. You've already won. And so we just uh, stand on the authority that you have given us as your daughters. Um, as your children to just claim uh, claim you as as the Lord of of this realm, as the Lord of our lives, um, that we have authority to fight those spiritual battles through the word of God, through through our prayers and petitions. And right now we just ask you to slay the enemy in Jesus' name, Lord, that wherever he has a foothold in, in the lives of these women that Charlene serves or any of the women right now, anywhere who are struggling with domestic violence, abuse um, in their marriages, in their relationships. God, we just pray that that you would prevail, that the enemy would flee in Jesus' name. I just think of Luke 18, 7, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? He will quickly grant justice to them. God, we claim that promise. You love justice. You you call us to plead the case for those who are unjustly treated and and who are um, oppressed. And so we just we we claim your promise to quickly grant justice where it needs to be. We pray that truth would prevail, that you would silence lies, that you would expose lies for what they are, and that you would just allow truth to prevail in in the lives of these women, in the people that they go to for help, in the courtroom. In, in every arena, God, that truth would prevail and justice would be done in Jesus' name. I just pray for Charlene, just your blessing on her and your blessing on her home and just a fresh anointing and energy. I know this has to be draining work, Lord. I just pray that you would fill her up. Lord, you're the you're the spring that never runs dry. And, and I just pray that she would be close to you and just constantly receiving that infilling of your spirit and your energy and, and uh, renewed vision and excitement for what she's been called to do, God, that when she gets weary, that you would give her opportunities for rest and, and that you would just give her kind of a, just a renewed um, sense of purpose and vision and, and that you would be her strength in every step of the way. Amen. Amen. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Appreciate that. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show. And we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.